Hello and welcome to the Massive Attack podcast, the 2022 edition of the Massive Attack presents the 12 Days of a Christmas special. I am your host, Anthony Mitchell, and I have been inviting friends along to talk about Christmas shows or movies that they wish to speak about. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce my next friend to the podcast today, and that friend is um, Joe Yenning. Yennings, is it? Sorry? Do you know who I am? Yeah. The listeners should know who I am. Oh, that's a voice I remember. It's a ghost of Christmas past. Yes, that's right. The old, the, 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 the co-creator of the Massive Attack podcast. That is Joe. Welcome back. Thank you for Thank coming. Thank you, Mitch. It is great to be back. It's like slipping on a warm pair of slippers. Mm, slipping on them. Well, yes, you shouldn't wear on slippers on a wet floor. That's dangerous. You can say that. Yeah, but no, it is. It's good to be back. I, I don't think I want to be doing this all the time, but it is nice to just come back, have a bit of a chat. And these sort of, I would say Christmas minis, but the way you've uh, you've set this up, it sounds like they're not going to be they're not as mini all, as they used to be. No, these no. Christmas specials, I'll put it, are a fun way to round out the year, and it is good to to come back and have a bit of a chat because now that we're not recording, we don't talk as much as we used to. We still no. send each other the stupid texts and screen grabs of memes and stuff Dick like picks, that. Yep, but, yep. Well, speak for yourself. I don't think I've sent you anything, but I, I just find that we we just not physically talking as much as we used to when we were recording. So it's, it's nice to just catch up. Yes, and talk Christmas. So I'll talk to you again in 12 months' time. No? Cool. Sounds like a plan. All right. So you've been well? How yeah. is Tasmania? It's been unseasonably cold. Oh. We may get snow for Christmas. Who knows? Oh, wow. But, That's uh, cool. Well, That's kind of cool. Well, they had snow well, down to 500 cool, metres yeah. down the south earlier this week, which was just crazy for this time of year. Mm. Yes. It's all La Nina's fault, or La Nina, whatever you want to call it. Is that yeah. Spanish for the Nina? Yes, it is. Okay, I thought so. Well, I've done this with my other guest. Let's get to know you, Joe. For anyone well, who, if, if we got any new listeners here. Just Joe, back up there for a second. Let's talk about your previous guest. Okay, so yeah, sure. How many episodes did you think we did together? Of Christmas episodes? No, just episodes in general. I know we did 96 separate There's 96 Christmas episodes. Christmas episodes because I went back and listened to a lot of them. Um so together we recorded for roughly 11 years. It'd be 200 odd episodes, wouldn't it? Probably. Yeah. You were during that time also co-hosting a podcast with one Chris Fresh. Yes. And for a little while he was considered to be the podcast godfather of Melbourne. Yeah. And we talked many times about trying to get him as a guest on our podcast and he was always like, oh, I don't even listen to your crap, Massive Attack. Why would I come on your show? Correct. As soon as I'm gone, he's on the show. So mm. kind of tells me something. <laughs> yes. Anyway, fire away. All right. So for those who don't know, Joe did, like we just said, 200-odd episodes we did do together. So if this is your first time listening to Joe, there is plenty more to go back to. And if you like Christmas in particular, there's at least 96 episodes to go back and listen to about this. So I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to ask you some questions that I'm asking all of my guests about Christmas. So let's fire, fire away. away. Are you ready? I am. All right. I'm like Eddie Maguire when you're on Millionaire. What were you? What show were you on again? Temptation, wasn't it? Temptation, yes. All right. So, Joe, what is your favourite Christmas song? So when you sent me the list of questions that you're going to ask, I don't yeah. know if you want me to spoil that you have nah, actually fine. given No, I talked about ahead. it. Fine. But for me, there's no more Christmas song that is more fitting as a Christmas song than Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues and Kirsty McCall. Christy and Nickel, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, Christy McNichol from the Bad News Bears or whatever it was she was from. The pirate movie, Empty yes, Nest. That's one. No, so the Pogues are a traditional sort of Irish band that kind of got into almost sort of punky sort of sound in the 80s. And Kirsty McColl was the wife of a producer, Stephen Lillywhite, I think at the time, who was producing the Pogues. And they came up with this song that was just like a little, almost a throwaway song that they were going to chuck as a B-side of a single or just bury it on an album somewhere. And it's a nostalgic story of a man in prison lamenting his lost love, pretty much. And it's one of those, I guess they call it a call and response type song where the man sings a line and the girl sings a line as if she's replying to the man about this fairy tale of them being in New York, winning big on the horses, splurging it all, ending up in jail and just the life that they had. And for me, it's just an awesome Christmas song. It is problematic now because Kirsty McCall does drop the F-bomb uh, and I'm not thinking about the, the fuck word. I'm thinking about the other F-bomb that people are a little bit offended by now. Mm-hmm. So it does taint it a little. There has been a number of covers of this song that have come out. Uh, I think Robbie Williams and someone did a cover of it a few years ago and and in that version they cut the, the F-word out. So it's like, do you put it in? Do you not put it in? And it was one of those things where for a little while, it was that number one in England, huge song that everyone wanted to listen to. But then we got a bit PC and we decided that we shouldn't be playing this on the radio because of the language that's in it. And it caused a bit of an uproar in, in the UK. But um, yeah, anyway, I've probably gone on no, no, a little no, bit no, too that, long This is what we're for. We're, I want to hear about it. Everyone's yeah. got their own unique take. So but, it's like yeah, somewhere it's, out there from the Fival movie. Is it like that sort of song? If I knew that song well enough, I could give you a yes or no answer. Oh, there's somewhere I, out there with Linda Ronstead and Aaron Neville. Is that call and response? It's about lost love over distance? No. Yeah, yeah. then it's exactly the same. Like as that, that mixed with who's going to make the gravy. Yeah. See, everyone raves about how to make gravy by Paul Kelly, but I don't rate that song at all. I, I really don't enjoy that song. All right. Because they put I'll red take. wine in their gravy. I don't know. Joe doesn't like gravy or Paul Kelly. I get it. I like gravy. Australian. <laughs> I like gravy. I don't like the way Paul Kelly just tells us we have to make gravy. Oh, fair enough. All right. Well, he's asking who's going to make the gravy because he's in prison. You know, it's sort of yeah. like he's not there for Christmas Day. So it's obviously it's his job. He's the Must gravy be. king. But anyway. All right. But see, that, that's the, the correlation with Fairy Tale of New York. They're in prison because they've been drunk and disorderly out on the streets. And as the opening line of the song says, in the drunk town, drunk tank on Christmas Eve in New York City. So, yeah, maybe maybe okay. they're making gravy as well. Maybe. Mm, prison gravy. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> it is now. All right. <laughs> All right, next. Describe your perfect Christmas morning. So as an adult, my perfect Christmas morning is probably getting up early, watching the kids or listening to the kids getting up early. We have a bit of a rule where the kids aren't allowed to get up before the sun. So as long as the sun's up, the kids can get up. And it's normally we hear the kids rustling around the house, probably more of my youngest rather than my oldest, because my oldest does like to sleep in a little bit now that he's a teenager. Mm-hmm. But just hearing the youngest get up and rummage through the presents under the tree, my wife and I are basically like laying in bed waiting for that sound. And we're like, oh, all right probably time for us to get up. Then we get up, we distribute all the presents around the family. We try and take it in turns that everyone opens a present, then the next person opens a present sort of thing, rather than just going crazy and having paper and boxes and everything fly everywhere. But most of the time it ends up that the kids do have more presents than us. But normally, yeah, it's opening presents, seeing what we've got, and then 
a big fan being English, having a bacon sandwich for breakfast after we've opened the present. Bacon sandwich. We we used to have traditions in my family when I was younger that if you got clothes for Christmas as a Christmas present, you had to wear them on Christmas Day. But then that kind of fell by the wayside when I bought my wife lingerie for Christmas. So it was one of those things where it was kind of like, just hang on to that and we'll wear that later. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just the fun of watching the kids open their presents. Yep, that's fair. You got a recipe for your bacon sandwich? Yep, bacon, yeah. white bread, HP sauce. That's it? Yep. No egg? Just bacon? Uh, no, because then it'd be an egg banjo. It wouldn't be a bacon a sandwich. What the? You make stuff up. I questioned. I had Nick on the show the, last yesterday, and I asked him about the Brussels sprouts, and he goes, nah, it's just you and Bottom, mate. <laughs> He's English. <laughs> so just checking. So there's beef. So I don't know about this banjo. You're making stuff up now. I think that might be a Navy term. Yeah. But a, a white bread sandwich with a fried egg in it is traditionally known in my family as an egg banjo. Bloody good is what it is. Getting hungry. Thanks. Speaking of food, do you have a favourite Christmas food? Well, Any- speaking of the sprouts, it's yeah. not Christmas without the sprouts. Okay. So I can remember one year when we did our 12 Days of Christmas sitcoms, I think it was. Yep. And we did watch the bottom episode and they made sprouts. And I think that same year we watched on the buses and they made sprouts that time as well. And I think they may have set fire to the sprouts on the on the oven or burnt the turkey or something at the same yep. time when they were trying to do something and got distracted. But no, for me, has to be sprouts. I'm a traditional roast guy for Christmas. So I like my meat, gravy, sprouts, roast potatoes, full spread. But the sprouts is probably the main thing. You, you can't be Christmas without Brussels sprouts. Well, fair enough. And when does your tree go up? And when does it come down? So my youngest, his birthday is the 22nd of November. So the rule in our house is never goes up before his birthday. Good rule. And my birthday is the 30th of December. So it normally comes down either on my birthday or before my birthday. I'm not one of these people that puts the tree up you know, mid-October, anything like that. It's fairly traditional. It's normally the first weekend after Angus's birthday. Now, fair enough. All right. What's the most stressful part for your Christmas? I don't know if I have a stressful part of my Christmas now. I guess it's probably just trying to organize all the food and make sure everything is cooked at the same time. But for the last eight and a bit years leading up to this, the most stressful part of Christmas was actually editing 12 episodes and getting them out every day leading up to Christmas. So good luck to you for that one. Yeah, I'm going to learn. <laughs> this may be the last ever 12 days of Christmas specials if it's, if it's that bad. Hmm. Well, see, when we did it, it was 12 little short episodes, 15, 20-minute episodes. We watch something, we talk about it, yep. put it out there. The way you're doing this format, they are going to be longer form episodes. So mm-hmm. yeah, good luck with the editing. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It is fun. Okay. Uh, do you have a favourite Christmas movie? See, again, this is something that we have covered quite a lot over the well, years. We've got 96 that we've talked about, or 96 episodes of movies and TV shows. When you say it like that, it just sounds absolutely crazy, doesn't it? I know. (laughs) I'm a bit of a stickler for tradition, and I like the Charles Dickens classic that is A Christmas Carol. Hence, we've done two rounds of Christmas Mm -hmm. Carol for the 12 Days of Christmas. And one of the ones we did the first time round was A Muppet's Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. And for many, many years, A Muppet's Christmas Carol was our family tradition to watch as a family on Christmas Eve. So I think as far as Christmas movies go, I think I would have to say A Muppet's Christmas Carol. And it's a very good rendition of the Christmas Carol story as well. It's pretty close to the source material. Yeah, I mean, it's spot on. 
And Michael Caine's yeah. performance is great. And exactly. Yeah, they know what they're doing. And Rizzo the Rat, he was in the original Charles Dickens version. What? <laughs> no, he wasn't. But I, I do I do think it rates very highly as a, a good Christmas just a good film in Christmas general. But yeah, that being said, there's a couple of other movies I like watching on Christmas that maybe not quite as much as a Christmas Carol, but Muppets Christmas Carol just has to rate well above all of them. Cool. Have you got any unique traditions, family unique traditions, like like wearing lingerie or something on Christmas Day? Yeah, I always make sure my lingerie matches yeah, underneath good. my Christmas outfit. Right. Feel right. We, when my kids were little and they were a bit iffy with their eating, we, we brought up a, a tradition in the family that you could have whatever you liked as your Christmas meal as long as you ate. So me being traditional, I would always have a roast. It could be 45 degrees, I'd still want to have a roast. My wife's into the seafood, so she normally has prawn cocktails for her, her entree, crayfish, salmon, something like that for her mate. So she would have the cold seafood, I'd have the hot roast, and the kids would just get to have whatever they wanted on Christmas. Because my kids would be chicken nuggets. Well, one year, my, one of my kids wanted party pies for Christmas, so he had a plate of party pies. <laughs> and we're traditional I respect big that. lunch. We normally have a bit of an entree, then we have a rest. Uh, my father-in-law normally buys scratchies for everyone and we'll sit and do a scratchy in between courses, and then we have our main. And one year, my youngest had a bowl of canned spaghetti as his entree, and then had party pies as his main. Seems fair enough. I like the cut of his jib. But another year, they decided that they wanted to have lasagna for Christmas. So both of them actually had lasagna. So Christmas Eve, we'd made lasagna as our family's dinner and we had leftover lasagna that they had for you know, Christmas Day. So the tradition was always, have what you want. You can ask for anything and we would make it. I like it. But normally I would make it because I was normally the one that did most of the cooking. So I'm not sure if we'll do that this year. Last year, we didn't do that. We just did a barbecue and we had... A, a bit of a break from Christmas tradition. We did the roast on Christmas Eve, and then on Christmas Day we had barbecue lamb on the Weber, sausages and hamburger patties on just the normal barbecue with salads and stuff. And the kids seem to enjoy that too. So maybe we don't need to be going to all this effort to do a different meal for everybody. Well, yeah, they will quite happily eat it now. You stick but, with it. Yeah. For a little while when we were still in Melbourne, before we moved over here to Tassie, Christmas Eve we would always get Indian takeaway delivered to our house. Well, that's but my next question. So it was like, yeah. do you have any Christmas Eve traditions? But you know, Indian delivered, I like that too. Mm. But then there's not decent Indian restaurants here in Tassie, and the ones that are there close early on Christmas Eve, so we couldn't get anything delivered, so we had to that's revert okay. to cooking ourselves. But, yeah. yeah, as far as Christmas Eve traditions, we would normally have just a big family dinner, as I said, for a little while, Indian takeaway, but now it's just normally a roast or something like that, or you know, a big tray of lasagna, something easy that is still a nice family meal that you can all share together. But my wife came up with the tradition probably around the same time the kids were born where she would put together a Christmas basket on Christmas Eve and there would be one present for everybody in the basket. It would normally be something that we would wear, so a pair of like novelty Kmart Christmas pyjamas or something like that. We would also have a can of our favourite drink, so I'd have some fancy craft beer, I she'd have work. a bottle of champagne, I have had an iron brew one year. I can remember my youngest wanted a bottle of fizzy Ribena one year, so he had that. My eldest had a bottle of Gatorade. So we have our drink that we get in our box, and there's normally some form of family game. So I still associate Ribena with decadence. It's like imperial See, I, leather soap. 
It's sort of like this. This that's what rich people have. This is a special, you know, it's a special occasion thing, like Viennetta ice cream. Maybe, but Viennetta is not quite the same as it used to be. I, I tried one recently. I thought I'm going to go down. Like, God, it was sweet. It was not very sweet. Not great. Audi do a pretty good version of it. Oh, okay. they used to, but I'm not sure because we don't have Audi down here in Tassie. No, Audi's but, in Tassie. Yeah. Oh. No Audi in Tassie. But. Where are you going to buy a, a unicycle and a trombone? Good question. <laughs> but no, we we normally have in the boxes where we would have like a card game or a board game. So we'd have our Christmas meal, we'd open our present, then we'd all sit down and have a quick game of whatever new card game we got. So Exploding Kittens was a game that we got one year and that's become a bit of a, a perennial favourite. We like play that quite a bit during the year. And the kids actually play it on their lunch break at school because they are huge nerds. Oh, cool. So it's a good yeah. game? Yeah, it's not bad. It's it, your traditional sort of card where you draw cards that attack other players and there's exploding kittens in the deck. And if you pick up an exploding kitten, unless you have a like an anti-bomb card, you die. And it's like last person standing wins. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's fun enough. Excellent. All right. Next question is, uh, what Christmas present t- was there? One that you really wanted as a kid? See, looking back at it now, I think I was a bit of a spoiled brat when I was a kid, because a lot of the stuff that other kids our age look at and go, "Yeah, I really wish I had these when I was a kid," I got. Like, I got Castle Grayskull one year. I've got yeah, you know, Transformers toys, He Man toys. Lots of stuff. But one of the things I really wanted for a kid back in the 80s was the old Atari 2600 with the wood grain finish. Because nothing says modern technology like wood grain. No. And those two little flick switches on each side. Because God knows what they even did. I don't know. One of them turned it black and white mode, wasn't it? I don't know. Because not everyone had colour TVs, so there was... You know, some colours didn't show up properly on black and white TVs if it, if it was meant to be in colour mode, so it flicked it to black and white mode. I think that was one of them from memory. God, we're old. It could have been. Yes, we are old. But no, I really wanted the 2600 with the wood grain finish. But as ungrateful as I sound, I did actually get an Atari for Christmas. I think it was about 86 that I got my Atari, but it was the, the one the they call the one. Atari Junior. So it was the slimline one with the, just the, the plasticky black finish with the silver line yeah. across it rather than the wood grain. Still played all the same games as the 2600, so it was no different to what I would have got if I got the wood grain one. But for me, it was just not quite the same because it wasn't that wood grain antique-looking controller, uh, you know, and antique-looking console that all the cool kids had when I was a little bit younger. Mm. So you did get one. That's one you really wanted. You got everything I, else. Yep. It, it was one where I really wanted. I don't think there was anything that I really yearned for that I didn't get at some stage, or at least I got some version of it. Yep. Like I always wanted a huge Scalectric set, and I can remember getting a smaller Scalectric set that was just a, a figure eight with yep. you know, matchbox car size cars, whereas the full-on Scalectrics are one-fourth scale rather than one sixteenth scale or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted the bigger one of those, but I never got that. But I did get the smaller slot car set. So again, I, I can't complain about what I got. No, but, yeah. Yeah. All right. Just a little Christmas question for you. Can you name all of Santa's reindeers? 
All right, let's see. How many is there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Not including Rudolph. All right, so is Rudolph official? I don't think no, he is. say Rudolph. All right, so Prancer, Dancer, Vixen, mm-hmm. Donna, Blitzen. I said Dancer, didn't I? So Prancer. Yep. So that's six. I'm missing two. So no, I can't name all of Santa's Randy's. I mean, I don't know them either. I've got to run down. But yeah. Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Dunder, and Blitzen. So I miss Comet and Cupid. Mm-hmm. I think. Did well. Hmm. I would have said Rudolph and Sebastian and got it totally wrong. So Sebastian? Yeah, exactly. I would have got all it right. wrong. Sebastian's right. a crab, isn't he? I think so, yeah. <laughs> all right. If you could travel anywhere to celebrate Christmas, where would it be? Somewhere with an Aldi? Yeah, I'd go back to Melbourne to go to Aldi. Uh, so, no, even speaking of Aldi, maybe Germany. Like, I can remember watching some cooking show that was one of those faintly veiled shows where the chef just spends money to go and travel the world. And it may have even been Rick Stein, I think. And he was going Rick to Steiner. Germany. No, not Rick Steiner, Rick Stein, the oh, Cornish okay. seafood chef. Mm-hmm. But he was going to Germany around Christmas time and they had all these like wonderful Christmas markets where they were making these fancy hot chocolates with cinnamon and marshmallows and all this sort of stuff. And it was snowing and everyone was just having fun, eating Lebkuchen, which I think I've probably mentioned before on the show, which are those like German gingerbreads with the sort of icing on top. Mm-hmm. But just some of the German traditions, the O Tenenbaum Christmas tree, which is a German word, just showing off again. But just, I think Germany at Christmas time would be amazing. And I think going to Europe where it is the Northern Hemisphere and it's going to be cold at Christmas and possibly snowy, I think would be a highlight. So when did you come to Australia? What year? How uh, old were you? 1978. No. Yeah, 1978, the middle of June in 1978. So, you, so prior so to that. You did have some white Christmases maybe? I probably did. I don't remember them well enough. From what I do remember, because I was living in Scotland for a lot of the time before I moved to Australia, not Wales, and it snowed kind of later after Christmas, sort of the January New Year period. I can remember one year it even snowed all the way to Easter, and it was probably late March, early April, and we got snowed in quite badly where we were in a two-story house, and the snow came up almost to the top of the front door. Wow. And we had to stay inside for a couple of days. But I never really remember it snowing on Christmas. In fact, I don't have a lot of Christmas memories from when I was a kid in England. So hmm. I, don't, I don't know what that is. Maybe I've blocked them out. Most of my childhood memories of Christmas are here in Australia. So, yeah, cool. I, I don't know. Yeah. And is there, do you have, and I mean, besides editing a podcast, do you have a least favourite item on your Christmas to-do list? But I would say the making everyone's choice of dinner on Christmas used to be my least favourite thing. So that's probably a good thing we've stopped doing it now. All right. And where did Santa, um, sorry, if you were Santa, what cookie would you like left out for you? See, I'm a huge fan of Walker's shortbread. I thought you were you a can't, huge fan again, of Again, you can't have Christmas without Walker's shortbread, so I would say a Walker's shortbread. Walker's, I do like his shortbread. 
Because you can eat them all year. You can. But I only think to buy them at Christmas. That's the problem. It's like there's they no jack reason. the prices up at Christmas because they put them in the tins with the you know, tartan on the boxes and all that sort of rubbish. But really, you can just buy shortbread. Well, time you need those tins so you can put your sewing stuff in it, yeah? Exactly. That's, that's what that's for, the Danish cookies. But yeah, I, I do love a good shortbread. Like, it's so good and so simple. It's just butter and sugar and yum. And and rice like flour. It. And you can eat it all year round if you really wanted to. It's available, but I don't think to do it. Because I have that first one every Christmas season. I'll have one that's like, this is so bloody good. Why don't I do it more often? And then I forget. Mm. It's not like, you know, it's hot cross buns, you know, where they're out for like 14 months. But, you know, they just seem to be, I don't know why I don't think of it. I'm not a bicky person, I think. Not a yearly bicky person anyway. See, I, I could have said a Jaffa cake, but then is a Jaffa cake a cake or is it a biscuit? That's a fair question. We could talk about it on another podcast. Um, where did Santa leave your prezzies? So when I was little, we used to have bunk beds when I was a kid. So my brother and I used to share a room and have bunk beds. And we used to hang pillowcases at the end of our bed. And our parents would sneak in and put our pillow, uh, presents in the pillowcase. And I can remember I had a Bambi pillowcase. It was blue and it had Bambi and his mum and a bunch of animals right, looking babe. around. And Bambi was sort of like, you know, the mum was sitting down and Bambi was cuddled up next to his mum. So a, a bit of a reminder of better times for old Bambi there. Spoilers for anyone that hasn't seen Bambi. Yep. But yeah, so the tradition was we had the pillowcase rather than a stocking. We would chuck the presents in that. In the morning when we'd get up, we would carry that pillowcase down to the land room and we'd all open our presents. But now we're the traditional just throw them under the tree type deal. Okay. Yep. Uh, now, is cash... Or a voucher, an acceptable gift for Christmas? I think it depends on who you're getting it from. Like if my wife gave me a cash or a voucher, I think it would be a bit of a jib. But then that being said, a lot of the time, my wife and I now get to the point where we buy ourselves our Christmas gift and go, this is what you've bought me for Christmas. So we know we're not going to get anything we're not really wanting to get. But I think if you've got family or friends a long way away from you and they mail you cash or a card in the mail with a card, yeah, I think that's all right. Yep. I think if I was in a secret centre at work and someone gave me cash, I would be feeling a bit jibbed. But my secret centre at work now, we, we do it a little bit differently to how a normal secret centre does, where when we put our names in the hat, we actually put three suggestions on the card with our name on. And it gives the other person that draws your name out a bit of an idea of what you should be getting them rather than just going, lucky dip, I'll just get them anything. Okay. Like Speaking of bad Christmas gifts, I can remember one year when I worked in the bank. So I was working for Westpac for a long time before on my current job. And I actually got a CD single for my Chris Kringle present of the 12th man doing one of his cricket songs, like oh, his cricket marvelous. spoken word comedy type things. I, I think it was marvellous, oh, yeah. It's a great song. It's a banger. But it's not a Christmas gift, and it's not something you just get for someone if you don't really know them. Okay. Uh, anyway, I, I just thought it was something that was very strange to get as a Chris Kringle gift. But getting back to the original question, yes, I think cash or a gift card is perfectly you used to get, like, I, I don't know. I mean, when you're at that age, between around 15 plus, getting the Brashes gift voucher. 
Yes. It was a right passage. It was a free it was a free hit to go and get a, a, some vinyl. You know, before it was hip. I can't even remember how much like going out and buying a single cost when I was a kid. So I don't know if you got a ten dollar brushes voucher, whether that was I great remember because fifteen dollars was around the you know an album, and I remember they were going going up to about eighteen dollars, and people were sort of whinging about prices. So yeah. an LP, a long player, a long play would be around the eighteen, nineteen, twenty bucks, and a single. My memories of singles when I bought them were around the three dollar mark, four dollar mark. Yeah. I can remember CD singles were around that five to seven dollar mark, and CDs were about thirty dollars for a little while. And the big thing was in America, you played the equivalent of about fifteen dollars. So here in Australia, we were getting ripped off again. Always ripped off. And then JB Hi-Fi came onto the scene, and they were you know, throwing away CDs cheaply. And then you know, the market got saturated, and people started selling CDs for less. And now I can't even remember the last time I bought a physical CD. I bought a Tism one recently online, like a, a new one. See, brought. vinyl was a different thing because a lot of people are getting back into Oh, not whole... vinyl. This was a CD. But, oh, okay. But, yeah, I mean, I I don't have a record player and I would love to get into vinyl because it does look good, but I just – I haven't I, – I buy enough stupid shit now. Vinyl's not one of them yet. Hmm. Hmm. All right, last question on getting to know you. Do you have a Christmas song or movie that you absolutely cannot stand? I'm not a fan of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Well, I find that song it's really it. annoying, <laughs> but it's something you just cannot get away from. Mm. And I guess if you had to pick a close second, it would be Last Christmas by Wham is probably the other one that it, it's just everywhere and you oh, can't get away from it. You know it. that, I mean, Wham again, yeah? That's a game yeah. where you go through Christmas and if you can make it through to Christmas Day without hearing Last Christmas by Wham, you win. Yeah. Yeah? And you just sort of say when you're out. I reckon, I mean, that's doable. But Mariah Carey, you can't do that. I mean, no. I was out, you know, I think it was before my birthday, so it was before the 26th of November. I heard bloody that shop in the shops before that day. So it's, you know, you cannot escape that one. That is for sure. Wham again. Wham, maybe a little bit harder, easier to avoid, but you cannot avoid Mariah. No. No. Like that being said, I love to watch Mariah Carey videos with the sound (laughs) turned off, especially that video that she's in the cinema with. um, Oh, that actor. I can't think of his name off the top of my head now. Ray Liotta. No. Joe Pesci. No, young actor that was of our generation was in Stand By Me. Um, River Phoenix. No, but close enough. But she's in. Yeah, that's maybe that's the one. She was in in a movies going on a date with some dude, and she was wearing the jeans with the waistband cut off. Anyway, I've watched that video lots and lots and lots of times with the sound turned off. What about? Okay, wasn't she with cameo in something? She might have been. I think cameo when she was wearing a racing outfit. Anyway, doesn't matter. All right, quick fire round, either or, okay? Okay. All right, either or. Turkey or ham? Probably turkey because I like roast. Carols by candlelight or carols in the domain? See, I've never been to carols in the domain. I don't understand what that is. But I've been to smaller type carols by candlelight and quite enjoyed them. I've never gone the whole... Go to the massive Channel Nine one with well, that's that's Marina a thing. Channel Seven or Channel Nine do carols by candlelight. 
which is the, okay. the Sydney Mo Music Bowl. Kale's in the domain as the Sydney one. Oh, it would have to be the Melbourne one then. Yeah. yeah. Mariah Carey or Michael Bublé? Uh, kicking the balls, punching the dick. <laughs> yeah, okay. um, Mariah Carey because she's better to look at. Okay. MCG uh, test or Sydney to Hobart Yacht Race? Oh, test. I'm not a huge fan of cricket, but I find yacht racing the most boring thing in the world. Milk and cookies? Yacht or- rock, on the other hand. Yacht rock is awesome. Yeah. Yes, but yacht racing, no. Okay. Milk and cookies or beer and carrots? <laughs> Um, milk and cookies. Yeah. Uh, one gift on Christmas Eve or exclusively all on Christmas Day? No, one gift on Christmas Eve. That's a tradition in our family. Okay. Father Christmas or Santa Claus? When I was a kid, it was always Father Christmas and then it was Santa. I, it's more just Santa, not Santa Claus. I, mm. I don't think I call him Santa Claus. Or Chris very Kringle often. or St. Nick. Too many options. No, I don't think it's ever been St. Nick. Mm-hmm. But it was Father Christmas when I was little and now it's just plain old Santa. Okay, gift wrapped or bag? Oh, gift wrap for sure. Yeah. Elf or the Santa Claus? Elf or elf? Elf, <laughs> not elf, elf. <laughs> I would go elf because Will Ferrell's funnier than Tim Allen. Okay, Nightmare Before Christmas or a Muppets Christmas Carol? I think I'm oh, going to answer that one. Definitely Muppets. Home Alone or Gremlins? I hadn't watched Gremlins for a while and then I watched it again. And I, I, I don't know, Gremlins is kind of the anti-Christmas movie because they go through that whole tirade about how her dad dies in the, Christmas, uh, in the chimney on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably have to go with Gremlins as the anti-Christmas sentiment. Okay. Bad Santa or Jingle All The Way? I haven't seen Bad Santa, but I can imagine it's pretty shit, so I'll go Jingle All The Way. Love Actually or The Christmas Prince? Oh, see, again, that's a hard one as well because I used to think Love Actually was a good movie mm-hmm. and I hadn't watched it for a long while and then I watched it again through modern eyes and you can kind of see all the stalkiness about it. Yep. So probably the other one, not Love Actually. Christmas Prince. Mm, you probably. should watch it if you haven't. It's terrible. Is it bad? Yeah. Is it's it as bad. bad as Love Actually? Different bad. It's I like a Hallmark year, movie, but yeah. Well, speaking of bad Christmas movies, there's a Dolly Parton Christmas movie that's pretty shitty that I ended up watching last year on Christmas Eve. Oh, no. And Dolly can't Initially, we started watching it thinking, yep, this is Dolly Parton. It's going to be, you know, craptacular, but it ended up just being just crap. Just being crap. Oh, that's no good. All right. And the final question, sleep in or afternoon nap? Oh, afternoon nap. Yeah. It's always the way. Once you eat too much at Christmas lunch, you go and have a bit of a nap, then you wake up in time to watch the Queen's Christmas speech on tally and have your mince pies. Nice. Yeah, Nick yeah. talked about mince pies yesterday. See, I'm a bit of a connoisseur of mince pies, but my favourite mince pie is just the cheapy that you get from the supermarket. The Coles ones are pretty spot on. Mr. Kipling? No, see, I think the Mr. Kipling ones, they go a little bit overboard and they put the dusting of the icing sugar on the top and they cut shapes in it and stuff. But no, just the shitty pastry, Coles home brand type one, good enough for me. Okay. Fair. All right. Now, we I have asked all my guests to come with a show or t- movie that they'd like to talk about. So what would you – could you please tell us what you chose to talk about this today? All right, so what I chose was something that we'd thrown out a few times when we were doing our 12 Days of Christmas Countdowns, and it is a little 
Disney short movie, goes for about an hour, called Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas that was released in 1999. Yeah, I mean, you brought this up and I'm like, I, I thought it was a classic for some reason. I thought it was old. I thought I knew so about did I. this. But no, it's not. <laughs> well, it is I, a classic, but it's not old at all. Well, it is now when you think about it. But I, I have this weird Mandela effect sort of thing about this because I could have sworn this came out in the 80s and I can have a memory of watching it as a kid. But no, it came out in 1999. So by that time, I was you know, not a kid. I was almost 30. But for some reason, it just stuck in my head that this was an 80s Disney cartoon. That being said, I have a fond memory of one of the three parts that I knew very well, but then the other two parts of it I sort of watched again recently and I was like, I don't remember that as well as I thought I did. So there's something weird going on in my head with some yeah, forced memory that probably wasn't there when I was a kid. But it's what you call, I guess, an anthology sort of program with three separate sections. The first section is Donald Duck's Stuck on Christmas, which is Donald celebrating Christmas with his nephews, who we do with Louis, and they sort of enjoy Christmas so much they go to bed and go, well, I wish we could have Christmas every day, and then they go in a bit of a time loop, and they do have Christmas every day, and it gets to the point where they don't like Christmas anymore because they're having the same day. And eventually they kind of realise that they can turn this day around and stop being little assholes that they are and make Christmas great for the whole family. And then once they kind of show that true meaning of Christmas, I'm doing the old inverted commas here, even though I'm on a podcast, but they do that true meaning of Christmas and you realise that, yep, they found it. Now we can go back to living our life and becomes Boxing Day the next day sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's nice enough but probably doesn't have that same sentimental value the other ones did. Yep. Yeah, because you, you said this to me, The Gift of the Magi was the one we're watching. So yep. that's a, And I, I went looking for it and I couldn't find it on Disney+. Plus. And then I found it on Once Upon a Christmas, which I thought you said what it was called. So, okay. Yep. And then it started with Donald's. Like, this is the one. So I scrolled through and I found what you were talking about. So I watched the last part. So I didn't watch that first one because as I'm getting older, I used to just watch any cartoon that was thrown at me as a kid, you know, because it was just not. You know, was, that's what I wanted to watch. And I put up with Donald. Now I don't need to. I'm an adult now. I don't have to watch Donald. And it's just hard. Like some of these things I just don't care for anymore. So I scrolled through that. And then I saw the next one was a Goofy and his son. Yeah. Now this is a very modern thing, like Goof Troop and all those sort of things. It was a period of Disney that I have no knowledge of. But Goofy no, became a thing not. with a kid. I don't know. So, again, scroll through that one. So you're free to talk about it if you want, or we can get straight to um, the Mickey Gift of the Magi. But again, it's kind of like a let's learn the true meaning of Christmas type one because Goofy and his son Max are just chilling out, doing their thing, talking about Santa, and Pete the cat is their neighbour and Pete tells little Max that Santa's not real and it kind of blows up his idea of Christmas and after that, Goofy's all like, yep, I love Christmas. And Max is like, what's the point of Christmas if Santa doesn't exist sort of thing. And then they turn it around where Goofy helps out a, a down-on-their-luck family by taking food over to their house and just little things to kind of rekindle that Christmas spirit. And then in the end, Max turns around and realises that 
he's getting everything he's asked for for Christmas, but he doesn't realize what Goofy wants. And eventually he turns around and went, well, you know, Dad, you've never told me what you truly want for Christmas. And Goofy just pretty much says, well, the only thing I want for Christmas is you to be happy. And Max realized what a little turd he's been the whole time and everyone lives happily ever after sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's very 90s. There's a lot of just Goofy trying to be cool still, but not meeting up to Max's expectations of what a cool dad should be. And, yeah, it's not what I enjoy from Goofy. No, okay. So, no, I didn't enjoy that as much watching it again. And as I said, I had no memory of it. Hmm. But for me, the the true standout of this special, and I think one year we ended up doing the 12 days of a cartoon Christmas. And I threw this out at this stage saying, you know, I have this really big memory of this Mickey and Minnie gift of the Magi. Maybe we should do this. And I don't know what we replaced it with, but it kind of was penciled in for one day and then we found something better to do. So we we got rid of it. But Gift of the Magi is probably one of those stories, kind of like A Christmas Carol itself, that has just so many people have done their take on it. Take on it, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure the Simpsons have done it. it. They have, actually, yeah. Uh, I think Bart and Lisa did one, and there's actually one Christmas special that we did cover on our 12 days that was Gift of the Maggie. Oh, okay. As in, like, Maggie Simpson, and it was their take on Gift of the Magi. But if you don't know Gift of the Magi, it's a story by O. Henry from about 1901, 1904, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And O. Henry was a fairly prolific short story writer in early American literature times. Yep. But the basic gist of the story of the Gift of the Magi is there's a couple that are a bit short for cash and the wife has beautiful long hair mm-hmm. and the husband decides that he should be buying her a hairbrush so she can brush her beautiful long hair. Pearl hairbrush, pearl handled or something a, like that. It yeah, was like, something like It was like a very that. nice and brush, yes. I can't remember what he has though. He has uh, Is he the one with the pocket watch? I think it is. And she wants to buy a chain for his pocket watch. So he ends up selling his pocket watch to get the hairbrush, where she cuts off her hair and sells it to a wig maker to get the money to buy whatever they need for his present. So in this version with Mickey and Minnie, Mickey's got his harmonica. Minnie's actually got the pocket watch. And Mickey's wanting to buy a chain so she can wear the watch around her neck. And Minnie's wanting to get the case for the harmonica. So in a way, if you remember the story of Emma Otter, when we did the Emma Otter one, and I think yes, that may that's exactly yep. the first year that we did the Christmas countdown. Emma Otter is actually a O. Henry Gift of the Magi variation. Yep. Because what's he do? He sells his toolbox to buy his mum something, a box or something. Yep. And she ends up selling something else to buy him tools to go in his toolbox or sells his hammer to buy something. And yeah, it's a it's a variation on the story. But but again, as I said, I, I have these really fond memories of this. I, I remember it quite vividly as if I watched it multiple times when I was younger. Where would you but if say it came out in ninety nine, I really don't work out where I've seen this so many times that Fox it tell? has this memory to. But it probably was, but then yeah, it, it's just that weird time in my life that late 90s, I wasn't 
sitting around watching Disney cartoons. I was probably watching, you know, different cartoons by then. The guy. It was probably a little bit after Ren and Stimpy, but I, I don't think I would have been watching Disney. But it holds a place in my heart. So, yeah. Now I'm just looking at the um, the wiki here for The Gift of the Magi, and we're talking adaptations. There's at least 15 movies that have done it. Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas is one of those. Um, the Honeymooners have done an episode, Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. Emma Dodders gets a mention. Um, um, Saturday Night Live have done stuff. Mystery Science Theatre, Rugrats, um, Futurama. Yeah, it's very Muppet Christmas movie, Robot Chicken. Yeah, so it's definitely a staple. Glee have even done an episode. So it's 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 a story that has lasted well over 100 years and it will continue to go because it is such a well story. Like, yeah, O'Henry, as you mentioned, he's famous for being a short story writer and all the, like, it's got a comic tale at the end. It's got that twist ending or just that, kicker of an ending where it's just like ah i see what you did there and that's you know comic irony in a lot of ways so yeah and the there is a short story award every year called the o henry awards named after him so he's, he's quite prolific i know this little bit about o henry because in a previous life i did a podcast called shooting the poo which may still be up i'm not sure and we actually did a short story episode like talking about different things and one of them was on O. Henry. So we actually covered Gift of the Magi on that. Was there some uh, sort of racist overtones to O. Henry or something? Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, had... There was one. I won't say the word. It's the Yeah, because he had the old N-word yeah. as one of the titles. Um, of the, it's called the Artificial the N-word. And that was just back when they had the steel or metal um, – where you tied your horses up on the front of the house and they were sort okay. of caricatures of people and it was about that. So it wasn't – he, He, I don't think he himself was racist. Um, it was of its time and that's what it was said. Whether – I don't – from memory, we read that story and I don't think there were racist connotations in the story itself. It was just a liberal use of the word in the same way that Tom Sawyer and those sort of things unfortunately use language that is um, – not used nowadays. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, so so in going back, this is freely available to everyone out there if they wanted to go to Disney Plus and watch one Once Upon a Christmas, and that's Once Upon a Christmas one. There is a second or twice a Quantum. I think there's a yeah. Second the one second one came out. out in 2014. I think it was called Twice Upon a Christmas. I haven't watched that, no. so I don't know if it's yeah. any good. So or not. on recommendation, you would say skip the first two, go straight to the other. Yeah, okay. definitely. Yeah. And um, all right, so let's have your take on this. So you had a fond memory. This is definitely the show you remember. You, it is definitely, definitely the show. show. I okay, because I watched it for the first time, and I yeah. thought I'd seen it too, but I hadn't. I, I just because I, it was a modern animation, like it was very new. It's like this isn't the Disney I remember. I just haven't seen enough new Disney. Um, it's funny you say that because I was watching it the other day, and my kids are in the room, and my eldest sort of turned around and went, oh, is this some sort of new movie? And I was like, well, it's, yeah, 1999, so it's not that new. And he's like, oh, the animation looks really crisp, so it looks like it's computer done rather than hand-drawn. And I was like, well, it probably is. Mm, it's, it's very clean. That's one thing yeah. I did notice was how good it looked. Like Disney do not skimp. Um, 
It looked very good. And it just sort of had that element of Disney that I do. it's just so nice. I, I don't know if I'm using the right, the word right, but twee. It just seems so lovely. And it was just like, I don't know what it's meant to be. It's, it's, it's a lovely couple. But it, the, the harmonica was a weird take because there's nothing like in the in the thing he he's a very good harmonica player and the, and we get that evil Pete from the Beagle Boys or is he a Beagle Boy or is he just from other I, I think he's just evil Pete yeah so he runs a um a christmas tree f- farm trying to sell them to people for christmas and all that sort of stuff and he's trying to upsell it and he's just really nasty and Mickey works for him and he just wants to make enough money to buy mini a present and but he's got his harmonica and he's playing it all the time and there's nothing I could think maybe bagpipes but anything less Christmassy than a harmonica. How can you say that? Remember when we watched the Alvin and the Chipmunks Christmas special? He was playing his harmonica at Christmas time. See, I just don't think Christmas when I think harmonica. And the fact that him playing the harmonica was enough in the in the plot. Spoilers: he he makes people give gifts, you know, in a in a drive to help kids without presents and that sort of thing. He's playing it on stage because there's a fire and the fireman band can't turn up because they're putting out the fire so they need somebody and it's like you've got a harmonica you get up there and play and everyone just loves it it's like it wasn't even that well, good harmonica. it all ties in because the fire is actually at the christmas tree plant where pete's working and the um, mickey's like his offsider and it happens that pete's trying to shield this big christmas tree to this family that can't afford it because he's like, oh, we've got nothing else left and your kids would be upset if you didn't get it. And then Mickey pulls out this little tree and goes, oh, I found this one in the back. You can have this. And Pete manages to set fire to the Christmas tree factory with his cigar that he's famous for. And then because of that, he then takes away all the tips that Mickey's got so Mickey can't afford to go and buy the present for Minnie. Yeah. And the firemen go and fight this fire, then they can't play in the band at the Christmas you know, jamboree that they're playing at. So Mickey goes and plays the harmonica there. And in the same time, Minnie's working in the department store wrapping presents with Daisy. And it's kind of like she's waiting for her Christmas bonus for wrapping the most presents. And they go all Christmas so vacation. So she can go right. and afford the present. And she ends up getting a fruitcake as a present rather than a, a Christmas bonus. Yeah. So it's it was weird. It was like it was, there was a, a weird action bit in the middle where he had to get to the shop before it closed and he was stealing kids like, Look like a surfboard, but it was obviously some sort of thing for the snow. A sled of some description, yeah. yeah and it just, it just, I don't know. It was weird for me. Like I haven't seen Disney cartoons for a long time, except for classics, which I've seen yeah. many, many times. So it's, it's, yeah. I'm such a Hanna Barbera guy that watching this was a bit like, oh, okay, is this what modern cartoons? When I say modern, twenty years old, <laughs> um, is this what they became, or is this? just a Disney version of things. Where I it's think just it's like, just no. Disney. Yeah. Because, I mean, I love, me, we've talked about A Christmas Carol before, the Disney one is, is great and bleak yeah. in a lot of ways, but it's really, really good where this didn't have that sort of, to me, it didn't have that charm that it sort of had. It felt very, I think they tried, but it just had a 90 sleekness to it. Oh, which, definitely. Yeah. That, that, and just something about it just didn't quite work for me. I don't know what it was, but it was weird. But the other so. thing for me is they, they have this sort of narration by Kelsey Grammer and he speaks in this sort of poetry rhyming sort of cadence talking about things. And it starts with the camera focusing on three presents under the Christmas tree that relate to the three separate stories. 
And then he sort of does his little verse and then they show the video and then he does another little bit and goes, what about this story and shows that one sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And a couple of them, they kind of make out that, especially with the, the Mickey and Minnie one, they kind of make it out like it's ye olden times at the start. But then they go, as you say, into the modern 90s snowboarding down the street with Pluto pulling Mickey down the street on his snowboard. And it it doesn't quite work in some ways. Mm. And then right at the very end, we get this sort of conglomeration of everyone getting together to sing Christmas carols, and they do a bit of a medley with some Christmas carols. And they're in, I think they're in a horse-drawn carriage, and they're walking down, or they're going down the street with like lights that have got gas lanterns rather than electric street lights. And it's like, well, what do you mean here? Is this olden times? Is this modern times? What are you trying to come across? And it is that sort of, Disney yieldy sensibility mixed in with a, a modern take. So as a package, I don't think it works all up. But as I keep saying, I, I really like the Mickey and Minnie part, even with its weird asides in the middle. It's just the way they do it. And something we will mention as well, I guess, is a lot of the times when we talk cartoons, we always mention Frank Welker, and Frank Welker actually gets a gig in this doing the voice of Figaro the cat and uh-huh. playing the Christmas turkey in the initial part with Donald Duck when they're carving the turkey. And before they cook the turkey, the turkey gobbles, and apparently that was Frank Welker doing the gobble of the turkey as well. So, yeah, good to know he's still getting it all ties together. It does. All right. Well, that's great. It was great having you back. Yes, it was good to be back. And I feel like I've talked a lot more as a guest on the show than I did when I was a co-host of the well, show. Well, you are the guest. That's, yeah. that's your, that is your job. And you're welcome back anytime. So, Thank you. Maybe next Christmas I'll come back for another go. Who knows? Maybe I'll come back again soon. That'd be that. good. All right. Well, thank you very much. You have you and your family have yourself a fantastic Christmas. Thank you. And to the Mitchells as well. Thank you. All right. We'll bid you a farewell. All righty. Bye-bye. Drunk tank, an old man said to me, Won't see another one. And then he sang a song, The rare old mountain dew. I turned my face away and dreamed about you. Came in eighteen to one. I've got a feeling this year is for me and you. So happy Christmas! I love you, baby. I can see a better time when all our dreams come true. Queen of New York City When, when the band finished playing, playing They held up for more Sinatra
Dreams around you. The boys of the 